0: This is episode 77 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today, Natalie Keller Reinhart returns to the show for a power-packed episode. This is a special two-part series where we dive deep into book production. In part one, we discussed book cover design, from the front cover to the back cover, and everything you need to know in between. In today's episode, part two, We are discussing interior design and so much more. Fellow authors, this is an interview you won't want to miss. Natalie has been riding and working with horses since the age of 10 and has worked in upper level eventing, dressage, racing, and mounted patrol. She started publishing in 2011, following the launch of a very successful blog, Retired Racehorse. Since then, she has written and published more than a dozen novels written about the equestrian experience. She has been a semifinalist twice for the Dr. Tony Ryan Book Award, a literary award for horse racing literature, and was a top finalist with her novel about racehorse retirement, Turning for Home. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm excited to talk to Natalie Keller- brain art again we're taught this is part two of our conversation about book design in part one we talked about book cover best practices and today we're going to talk about interior design so if you missed part one definitely check that out Natalie shared so much valuable information uh, and today we're going to dive inside of our books so welcome to the show Natalie thank you for being here thank you it's good to be here again <laughs> yes. We're gonna jump right in. Natalie has been on the show multiple times now and we talk all about her love affair of horses and we talk a lot about our books in her previous episodes, which I'll link to in the show notes. But today we're just gonna dive right in and start talking uh interior design. So Natalie, you offer these services. You offer book cover design, you consult with other authors on book design overall. Let's talk about the importance of interior
1: design. It's I mean, that's If you were to say that writing your book is half of the effort, then your book cover and your interior, the other half, and the, you know, if the book cover grabs them, the interior has to keep them.
2: Mm. And
1: a book that is not formatted to meet a reader's expectations of quality or readability, you know, it's not going to hang on to the reader. It's not going to grab their attention. It's going to wear out their eyeballs and they're, you know, they're going to move on. If you're a Kindle Unlimited author and you're depending on page views that's a calamity because you need them to stick with your book from page 1 to the finish and so you have to approach it with a level of professionalism and and know how you know to make sure that everything is literally the best book that you can possibly turn out
0: Yes, uh, and because these are literally the pages that your readers are going to be turning, and we want them to keep turning. so what are some best practices let's imagine that we're talking to like a first time author. What are some best practices to consider when you start thinking about formatting the interior of your book?
1: Well, first off, your ebook interior and your paperback interior are not related. Mm. I use two separate files when I produce an ebook and a paperback. That way, if I want to make changes, it's really easy for me to know exactly which one I'm doing. So I just name one paperback file and I name the other one ebook file. Uh, when I am, a lot of people produce the paperback first um, because they swear that that's the toughest one. So it gets all this work out of the way. Since I use two files, I don't look at it that way at all. I generally produce the ebook first so that I can get copies out to advanced readers. That's a priority for me. And it could take me weeks of fluffing around with a paperback that's particularly difficult, especially if you're using tables or images or anything inside, which is just a whole other <laughs> <laughs> situation. But it can, you know, it can take a while to get a paperback the way you like it. Um, getting back a full proof can take days and days where you're just sitting there twiddling your thumbs. So when you have those two files, it's much easier to say, okay, my ebook looks like this, my paperback looks like that. The the ebook is simpler, but you can complicate it. And I mean that in a good way. Publishers have really stepped up their production of what an ebook looks like on the inside. So you have things like cute graphics at the heading of each chapter, You might even have graphics in, 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 you know, page breaks, you know, instead of a couple of asterisks, you could have a flourish or I have a riding crop design that I've used in some of mine. So there are, you know, a nice title page, things like that, that don't just set your book apart like they used to, but at this point they make your book look professional. Mm. You know, where you open up and you go, oh, they put some effort into this. It's a treat for the eye. And it just improves the reader experience because they they see the depth of effort that went into it. They have a little more respect for your words.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you were saying in uh, our previous conversation on book cover design, you talked a little bit about interior design a, a bit and you touched on paragraph length and page break and chapter length. What would you tell another author to consider when they're looking at this? Is there a particular way that's like a best practice in in formatting paragraphs and chapter length or is it sort of up to you Mm -hmm. but making sure it's readable for your readers
1: yeah the thing about ebooks one thing I I tell people that have really specific expectations about font and and text size and things like that is to a certain extent an ebook is a choose your own adventure for the reader Because depending on the reader that they use, they have many different font options, size Mm. options. And so they might want to read it in Optima and you wanted them to read it in, you know, a serif font. And that's up to them. And it's going to change your breaks. It's going to change, you know, the length of your paragraph, things like that. All things that you might want to obsess over that a reader is really going to make those decisions. So maybe in your paperback, you don't want to have widows and orphans, you know, like one line, it doesn't matter in an ebook. Don't worry about it. It's not your problem. What you can do is improve the experience as much as possible. And really long paragraphs are a great way to, you know, to break it up, give them some white space and, you know, kind of make it easier on the eye so they don't flip a page and go, oh my God, that is a wall of justified text. Hmm. That's a lot to ask of anybody. For ebook production, I love to see lots of dialogue. And so one trick that I use when I do have a ton of just copy, like maybe it's a description or it's a history or something, is I say, can I make this into dialogue? A back and forth. Not only is it more interesting to read in general, but it's easier to look at on the page. Mm -hmm. So there are tricks that you can use even before you've started making your design, in your revision, where you can look at it and go, is this gonna be hard to read? No. And how much you care about that is up to you, but. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you get a little, you know, this is my book and this is the way it reads. But at the end of the day, if you're gonna ask for somebody's money, then it's nice to consider them a little bit in (laughs) in the production. I love that you bring up the
0: aspect of an author thinking about the reader's experience in book design, because often it's a new, it's sort of a new way of looking at and thinking about your words on the page, specifically as an independent author, right? You know, like when we're handling and controlling the majority of what happens with our books. So you have to sort of think of not just yourself and not just getting the words on the page, but you have to think about the whole project and the reader their experience with your book so this is a really great point to bring up that and it's something that an author can look at as they're going through the edits to their manuscripts you know like you said is there a huge wall of text can you turn it into dialogue to make it a little bit more readable that would create more white space on the page now i i know that you offer these services and on your website you have some examples of some of the interesting things that you can do. With interior design. I know that you have some copies of your books there with you. Can you show us some examples or perhaps the the writing crop that you use to break up chapters and talk a little bit about including graphics with your interior design? Because I I think a, a lot of authors think about that. And this is a reason to work with a professional, right? But a lot of authors think about adding those sort of elements. And it's like, oh my gosh, how do you even how do you even do that right <laughs> yeah
1: and you know for me it's i don't have the writing crop in any of my print books right mm-hmm. now i have it in i experimented with an ebook mm. and i didn't i don't think i've reformatted that ebook since i think it's showbarn blues but it, it the way that i format it comes down to setting up rules in the back end of the program so i go into the program and where it has a section for section breaks i go ahead and put in a code that says i want you to use this image every time there's a section break the image in this case the riding crop is cut from a page of stock photo clip art does that make mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. so i downloaded a whole sheet of like equestrian type things, helmets and stirrups and brushes and blankets. And I liked the riding crap. And that was one reason I paid for it. And also had a bunch of cute little horse motifs. And so I bought that. And then I was able to cut those out in Photoshop and then isolate them, create a transparent image and put that into the back end of the program I use, which is Scrivener. So it's, it's complicated, but not complicated to the point of, I have to go through my entire book and add this in the section break. I tell it at the outset. When you reach this point, insert this whenever you create that file. Does that make sense? It does. Okay, good.
2: It's <laughs> <and> a lot <laughs> easier, a lot easier than
0: having to go and insert it in each place because we all know inserting anything in each place it never oh, is forget what it's it. supposed to be. Yeah.
1: Yeah, what a nightmare. Especially as long as my books are, are you kidding me? <laughs> when it comes to like chapter headings are one place where I have started um, in putting embellishments on all of my chapter headings. Probably the best example I have right now is, is Catoctin Creek, there we go. Hmm. Since it's male female POV, both of them have their own little symbol. So Rosemary has the little flower and Steven has got like a little leaf. Right. And that just that motif carries through the whole book. I put the flower there. And then I put the flower on the title page. So you want to talk about where these things come from. This little image is a glyph from a font. I think it's from Minion Pro, which is an Adobe font. And there's a way in Photoshop to pull out all the glyphs, which are the little symbols, Mm -hmm. and look at them. There's also other ways to do it. I do not know what those ways are because I work in Photoshop. (laughs) (laughs) When I created the chapter headings, I actually build the chapter heading in Photoshop, save it as a transparent PDF, and put it into Scrivener as a chapter heading. Again, through the back end, I don't do the work for every single chapter, I don't paste it in. I have a a code set up to do that for me. The title page also a pdf made transparent and put in Mm. the same one works the same pdfs work for the ebook and the paperback so you do save a little bit of time there (laughs) (laughs) you spend the time making them and getting uh getting everything to appear straight and sometimes you just get absolute hashes but you know You figure out where you went wrong, and you go back and fix it. It's usually something really basic. Grabbing main, I think, was the first one where I played with using a PDF. So instead of typing the text in, and then these chapter headings. This one I could have just typed in because it doesn't have an image it's just allura font which is a lovely font for like romance type books allura Mm -hmm. is really really good but i could just as easily add a horse i just don't think i have any paperbacks with glyphs in them like or with the horse in them right now i think they're all in my ebooks now this is this is not a necessity
0: this is something that just gives like an extra beautiful element to the interior of Mm -hmm your books and that and then again that's why I would not recommend somebody try and do that on their own I would recommend that they work with a designer would you agree with with that
1: yeah especially a lot of folks when they're working on their own they seem to be working in Microsoft Word mm. and that is a nightmare in and of itself Microsoft Word is not designed to create book interiors it's not mm-hmm. what it's for mm-hmm. and so I work with purpose-built programs and They have learning curves, but if you can learn them, you know, if you, I use Scrivener, a lot of people are terrified of Scrivener, Mm -hmm. but I've been using it since 2014. So we're in it for the long haul. Sometimes you you marry somebody and you just got to make it work. (laughs) So, (laughs) Scrivener and I are very in a long-term relationship and I've figured out a lot of things. And this is one of them. You can do it. There's a tutorial if you felt comfortable Mm -hmm. You could look up the tutorial for chapter heading images, and you could make it happen mm-hmm. for sure. But it's gonna take you some time. So again, like I said, when we were talking about the covers and graphic design and tools for that, you have to weigh your time spent learning something against how often you're going to use that education.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, In one book a year. It might be that might be you know hours of work. You're not even gonna remember how to do next year
0: so Mm -hmm. and and you mentioned Scrivener would you share with listeners what Scrivener is and uh what you what you do with it it's I know it's a program that you can use to write your books but then Mm -hmm. you can also format your books inside of of Scrivener and there there is that rumor that there is a heck of a learning curve with Scrivener but the people that that are using it really love it once they get familiar with how the program works so talk to us a little bit about Scrivener
1: yeah, so Scrivener is it's a multi-purpose writing tool. It has organizational aspects to it. It has different templates for setting up novels, setting up nonfiction books, setting up screenplays, and then it has a bunch of output functions. So you can create a file. Uh, you can create dozens of different files out of one Scrivener project. So if I have ambition as a project, I can do an output. Of a custom ebook file of a basic no frills ebook file, it'll do that for you as well. I can put out a PDF to do my paperback interior. I can create a Word document that I can send to an editor so that they can do track changes or read it. You know, if that's their preference, I can create PDFs with chapters. There's just zillions of different output functions and they're all customizable so Mm -hmm. i can go in and say well i want my chapter headings to look like this i want my sections like this Um, i want my parts to do this and have blank pages here blank pages there my front matter my back matter everything it will Mm -hmm. hold everything for you and i guess it is like you know how legacy programs are when you bought into something really early it's they try to make it less complicated but it's old it's you know it's been around since probably 2012 or so
2: mm-hmm.
1: when we were this was all first blowing up mm-hmm. so yeah it, it takes some effort i i love it for organization i don't i could not write a book with in word i just would lose my mind because <laughs> i it, i have it has a pain there's my chapter 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 My section 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 and i can make notes about the section um, i use the notes part for revision to make sure every scene has the correct motivation and ends on, you know, a a page turn, like, it's just an invaluable program. If you're willing to put in the work. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it makes it easy to find specific parts. If you're looking, you don't have to go through the entire document to find
1: something that you're looking for. Easier, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think the find function is as friendly as it could be. Mm -hmm. But and and it can it can give you formatting errors that will absolutely you might do one tiny thing, and it'll just, yeah, gray hairs, <laughs> uh, but I think all programs have got some degree of that. We're one one wrong move with tabs or something like that. And your whole book is just a disaster. It's got to be stripped.
0: <laughs> Being an author is a practice and patience, right? Patience yes. with the technology, patience with the process, patience with the business of it, patience mm-hmm. with the marketing. It is a business of patience for yep. sure. Mm-hmm. If you find something that works, you know, and it's working. Keep sticking with it is what I would recommend. Would you? Would you? Agree I with that?
1: I definitely agree with that. Like there's so, there's a program for everything now, mm-hmm. and they just keep coming out with more because they know that people who have always wanted to write a book are going to buy these programs. And most of the time, it's something that can be fixed with you know reading a book on the craft and writing it out longhand. And so you have to really be conscious of the value that you're getting and if you're getting played a little bit Mm -hmm. you know like there's a lot of effort going on there always has been since this started but it's shinier it has more bells and whistles now to play people who are are wannabe authors Mm -hmm. you know and they're not uh, you know some some of these these services they're not trying to fix what's broken about your project they're just trying to polish up your project the way it is Mm -hmm. and you can throw all kinds of marketing spend at something but if the inside of it's broken or if the plot needs help or something like that then you need to have somebody trustworthy tell you that not somebody who's like well for 50 dollars a month (laughs) exactly the platinum plan will get your book in front of 300 people that's right that's that's not how it works
0: Yeah. (laughs) yeah educate yourself and you said something really special there. stick with the people you trust, and find those trusted allies mm-hmm. with whom you can work with. You know, I've been with the same editor through the whole process of the books. My audiobooks is the same narrator. You know, the programs that have worked for me in the beginning, I'm still using. But before I got going, I really educated myself. And that is a very important piece of being an independent author and author in journalist because there's a lot to learn beyond the writing part of this. And yeah. Yeah. And then we talked, uh, you know, you talked and you mentioned and I mentioned outputs, right, or different file formats for Mm -hmm. the different types of books. Now for for newbies, for new new authors getting their feet wet, getting into this, the distribution channels that you use to put your books into the world often require different files. Can you Mm -hmm. speak to that a little bit and just kind of give us an overview of, of what to expect when it comes to getting ready to distribute the book with these files?
1: Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of us are going to use KDP's, you know, um, functions to sell our books, and you should because they're free. It's really important, you know, courses for horses. You need to put in a file that is best at what it's doing. And I think it'll take like eight different kinds of file formats for your ebook. Put in a MOBI file or an EPUB file. Your um, MOBI is a it's Amazon's Kindle file is a Mobi file. So if you put in Mobi, you get out Mobi. Mm-hmm. You know what you're going to be looking at. There's a, uh, there's a program that, um, where does it come from? I guess you download it from KDP. That's Kindle Previewer. You upload your Mobi to the Kindle Previewer and it shows you exactly what you've got. I go through turn after turn after turn. I hit compile on Scrivener. It opens up in the Previewer. I go, nope, that ain't it. Close. <laughs> Change one thing. And I'll do it 12 times before I get exactly what I'm looking for. But then I know what I see in Previewer is what I'm going to see on a Kindle. The exception for that being, I learned the hard way, the iOS app. The Kindle app for, uh, for iPhone is broken, and it's going to stay that way. So when you upload a Mobi um, and look at it on your Kindle app, and it looks terrible. It's it is what it is. Look at it in the previewer, and don't worry about that. It's just you can't you can't help it. Apple and Amazon don't like each other, so it's not going to be fixed. Mm-hmm. For book files, the most reliable file in the world is a PDF. A PDF does not change. PDF won't lie to you. PDF wants you to be happy. You're going to get sharp edges if you're using uh, graphics in your chapter headings. They're going to you know they're not going to be pixelated. So you create that PDF file, you look at it with the two page scroll, right? You know what I mean? So it's one, two, you can see exactly my title page is here. My, And then it's flip over and my uh, copyright is here. And then my also buy is here and then a blank page. And then my first chapter, it shows you all that it's not going to change. And you upload that and you can look at it in the previewer on KDP and you go, Oh, that's exactly what it's gonna look like.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's for the print. The PDF for is the print. for print. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then do you use like uh so I uh you know, I have my books in Kobo, I have my books on Apple, mm-hmm. I have my books on uh Barnes and Noble Nook, I have my books on KDP Amazon. What what do you what do you use for distributing your books? Do you do do you do in Ingram Spark, Or do you do Smashwords? I've, you know, I have not used Smashwords. I individually upload a lot of people don't like that. Like what is what is your recommendation? Because you want books to go wide if possible, because it's different income streams and Mm -hmm. people read in different places. So what are your thoughts on
1: that? So I'm not wide now. I have been wide in the past. And when Hmm. I was, I used Draft2Digital to distribute because I found that every book I'd ever had on Smashwords had been pirated. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's Smashwords fault or not, but it happened. And I also generally like their interface. I thought it looked a bit cheesy. Mm-hmm. Draft to Digital is prettier. It didn't cost me anything, so I went with that. So if I went wide again, which I have some books in the future that I probably will, I'll, I haven't given a ton of thought, but I'd probably go through Draft to Digital again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just you know, they give you Universal Book Link. Right, so you can just say to okay, you can go to this link, and if you like Amazon or if you like iBooks or whatever, there's a this link will take you to whichever one you like best. You know, so you're not posting six links. So that that, I think they all kind of do the same job in terms of what files I'll upload. uh, I will only upload EPUBs. I will not upload PDF files because PDFs are super easy to pirate. Mm -hmm. So and EPUBs might be too, but PDFs are the only one I personally have had trouble with. So those are the ones I worry about. That's good to know.
0: And then you mentioned that you were wide, but you aren't wide now. Would you talk a little bit about why you made that
1: decision? I went off of Kindle Unlimited and went wide a couple of years ago. Might've been four or five years ago. And my sales took a hit immediately. Now I sell a lot off of bestseller lists. So Mm -hmm. I keep a really, really hefty backlist. As you know, I have like, 13 or 14 or 15 books and I have long series. I have four book series and five book series that are both getting extended. So as I can keep those visible between new releases and bestseller lists, then I can see consistent sales for those books. When they slip down the bestseller list, I start seeing the slip become cumulative. The other books start sliding. So I work really, really hard to stay in the bestseller lists. And one of those tools is Kindle Unlimited. Mm -hmm. It just is what it is. There is a really good book out right now called Decoding Amazon by David Um, (laughs) (laughs) Goggin. Bless him. I know he has trouble with people pronouncing his last name. Uh, But it's a fantastic book, which everyone needs to read. And he actually managed to get some inside. Um, info onto how lists are compiled. Hmm. And it did confirm to a certain extent there are lists where Kindle Unlimited has an edge. So for me, it's really important that my books are Kindle Unlimited and they stay that way because if I move them now, I'm going to lose or I'm going to alienate a chunk of readers, mm-hmm. right? I might have people that are working through 13 books mm-hmm. and they're on book two, and all of a sudden I pull my books from Kindle Unlimited. Well, now you have to pay me five dollars. Well, they already paid ten dollars for Kindle Unlimited. Mm-hmm. It's also low-hanging fruit for me to say, you know, to say the least. I want to sell as many books as possible and get as many reads as possible. Mm-hmm. And readers are on Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: <laughs> that is true. And um, and you mentioned Kindle Unlimited, and then you have you have them available where people can buy them when they're not in the Kindle Unlimited program. But something interesting to mention is, Ku readers are often they often only read. Kindle Unlimited books because they pay that subscription fee. So they're not often buying books that they can't get through Kindle Unlimited. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So if, if your backlist is half Kindle Unlimited and half wide, then you're alienating readers right off the bat. Like I could put Ambition and Kindle Unlimited and put all the other ones wide and be like, oh, or the other way around, really. They might never start the series mm-hmm. because it's not free to them. Or, or already paid for it to them, however they want to look at it, or they might not continue the series. So I lose either way. And the other piece of that, when we talk about where the readers are, we're, we have taken over every equestrian and horse genre <laughs> subcategory on Amazon. We, we took it. I'm really sorry to everybody who writes writing manuals, but we had to do it. It was the only way to survive. Mm-hmm. It's where we are right now until they give us an adult fiction section this is where we are and I just don't know that another bookstore offers me that kind of selection and for me a list of 50 really well-produced horse books by you know 40 or 50 authors is going to go a long way towards keeping readers coming back to that page mm-hmm. rather than three or four Absolutely. so I mean I'm just I'm in a bigger I just I like I they're not competition in that sense they keep bringing people back
0: Mm -hmm. because people who like horses want to read books about horses yes Mm -hmm. absolutely so if there's a wider variety they're going to keep coming back and seeing what's new and then particularly with you you know you have decided this is your year that you are going to really, I mean, you have a big backlist. Backlist is really important about, you know, when it comes to making income for an author, but you have really committed to taking on your author career to a whole new level this year. I mean, you've re- you've already released two books. You're working on a new series. You've got a lot mm-hmm. going on. So, you know, talk to us about where you are with your author career and, and, and what, you know, how you're committing full-time. And then, you know, you said the importance of the bestseller lists. So how are you making that all
1: work for you this year in your author career? I don't know if I'm making it work, but I'm definitely doing a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) it's a tightrope for me. I'm a person who has a lot of ideas and I want to write all of them. And all of them tend to turn into series because people like the characters and they ask for the series. Mm -hmm. So I have, you know, this year I released Grabbing Maine and patrons told me right off the bat when they read the book, the members of my Patreon read the book well before it came out. In fact, they read a different version of the book I actually published. Oh, wow. They told me early on they wanted to read a second one. So I made sure the ending was open for a second book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I just went ahead and put it in the pack matter. Hey, there's a second book coming. So that was that series. Grabbing uh, Maine is, is an awesome read. Go out and check <laughs> it out. Natalie
0: was so generous and I was an early early reader on the book and I absolutely loved it. And I was so excited when I read your back matter, which we're going to talk about in a second here, that you said there's going to be another book in the series and hopefully more. And uh, I was just so excited. So that's, that's awesome. So you've got another series going there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And you know, and cause series, series are how you bring in readers and keep them Mm -hmm. first off, right. You're this huge backlist, but also letting them fall for characters that they want to read about again and again. Mm -hmm. Now I knew I had people who wanted more books from my horse racing series. Mm -hmm. I knew I had people who wanted more books from my eventing series. I have those books have both had problems. The first book in each of those is really old. I don't think either of them are great like read-through candidates, I meaning the person reads the first book and 70% of the people that read the first book read the second book. Mm-hmm. Neither of them are like that. Ambition is a wildly popular book, but it's also just really divisive because the character is a very specific kind of anti-character, anti-heroine. And a lot of people don't get past that, which is, that's fine. She is who she is, I had to do it. She was way worse than the first draft, people. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And so the entire series is her growing as a human and becoming a human, essentially. But the read through on something like that isn't always the best. So I said, okay, my mainstream of income is a book where not everybody reads through. I need a sixth book, but it's, it is problematic as my tent pole. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Then my other one, my horse racing series, the first book is my, is my first book. It's again, some people's absolute favorite book of all time, but it is a very specific book. It is, it is very literary in nature. It is very sad. It's horribly sad. I um And I meant every word of it. Um, and it's not sad. Like, Oh, all these horses die. Like a horse, dies but you know it's important but like it's sad just from um a personal growth place it has a happy ending but it's you know it's hard to get there um so it wasn't an ideal first read for that series either Mm -hmm. so that's a really awkward position to be in so what i decided to do this year was a grabbing main. you know so a whole new way to bring people in i'm a better writer than i was in 2011 Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it just
0: practice, right? You know, you're speaking to things from the business side of being an author who's been at this for a Mm -hmm. while, you know, like first books, first series, like it's, it's a learning journey, you know, and and then you start to realize these things and, and you're like expanding and broadening who you are as an author and we all get better with time. Right. So you spoke to Mm -hmm. very, very specific things. So
1: you're broadening, grabbing main new audience. and And then I'm writing, uh, my next book out will be a prequel to The Head and Not the Heart, Mm. which will be a full length book that takes place before the action in that story. And so that will hopefully bring more people in to enjoy that series. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do with The Head and Not the Heart. I'm considering just doing a full rewrite on that. I'm Mm. just having two books and taking that out of the series. I don't really know. But you know what? You can do whatever you want. You can take it out. You can leave it in. You can put it back in later. Mm -hmm. It's your book. Because you're the power of an independent author, once again, yes. And then, you know, and that also kind of led me to, let me explore some other wider options, wider audience options. And that was where the Catoctin Creek series, being a romance came in, was just to make it a little less specifically equestrian and try to reach a different audience. Mm -hmm. Those were my pivots for 2020. My decision was literally start a new series, Fix two series. Oh, and start another series that's a different category, (laughs) which is brilliant. And the
0: the nice thing, and a lot of work. The nice thing about the new series, the the romance series, is you're going to bring readers who love your books with you because they enjoy your writing. But then you're going to be able to find a whole new uh, group of people in that genre that are going to enjoy your books that may cross over and read your others. So it's a nice magnet to bring people in. Now, my question is how are you how are you managing your time in order to get this many books written and out and moving forward like you know are you what are you doing? Are you doing anything special to make this happen or are you just darn committed?
1: I think it's more about what I'm not doing mm. Which mm. Is anything i'm <laughs> uh, <laughs> in mean, you know i I have really specific geographical things keeping me in my apartment pretty much all of the time. And some stuff going on with my barn um, where they were moving house in the middle of summer and everything like that. So even when quarantine, like lockdown, lockdown ended, my life didn't change like at all. For one thing, Florida had an insane not outbreak. Outbreak is not even a big enough word, but Florida became like the epicenter in the world Mm -hmm. of COVID-19. So I really wasn't leaving my apartment to deal with that either. So (laughs) it's as simple as that. Also not killing other people is important. So Mm -hmm. basically I I reshaped my life. I said, okay, my life is now, I am a writer with some freelance projects. And I have, I, I set about pulling in some freelance projects that would not eat ups too much time. Mm -hmm. So not like a lot of graphic design, things like that. Like I do basically business to business blogging. And then every now and then I pick up some other stuff along the way, but it's really cut and dry, easy stuff. And that helps, that helps get me through the month if I'm having a slow book month or something like that. But then the effort is, okay, you're going to spend, basically, I usually carve out at least four to 6 p.m just for fiction Mm -hmm. and if I spent the morning on fiction well I'm still spending four to six p.m. on fiction and if I you know um, if I can get in five or six hours of fiction that's fantastic and if I can only get in two then at least I got in two and outlining becomes really important Mm -hmm. when you start writing for speed right so because you can literally write a paragraph and be like this is what's happening in the scene and then go to the next one and it's so much easier to come back and write something when there's a paragraph there that tells you what to write mm-hmm. and to just look at that blank scene and be like, "Oh, I was supposed to put something here
2: <laughs> you know it's
1: revisions for me are so much easier than first drafts that I just will murder a first draft just it could you know be half of what it's gonna be after the second draft but yeah that, I mean that's the that's the focus you know what I love about that is you made a commitment
0: mm-hmm. to yourself and your writing career and you are doing something to move yourself forward with this bizarre time in mm-hmm. our lives, you know, so so what I'm hearing too, is you are committed to touching your books, every day, and spending time with them, you've got that four to six, or you may work in the morning, but you know, as long as you work on it, you may not meet, you know, all the hours you want to get, but as long as you're getting 2 you're still yeah. moving it forward. And, th- and that's really how it works. You just got to sit down, do the work, keep it moving mm-hmm. forward. Uh, so, you're doing something really special with this time. So, way to go. And you're proof that developing a backlist, thinking about your series, continuing to write books, engaging your readers, and being thoughtful about them works. And you're making it happen. And I'm so excited for you. Now, during that segue that we just took, which was an awesome <laughs> segue, I love that segue, uh, back matter came up. And mm-hmm. back matter is something that's in the interior design of a book. Some authors may not know what back matter is and why it's so important. Could you speak on back matter when it comes to interior book design and, and what it is and why it's important?
1: So to me, there's three essential pieces of back matter. Our definition, I believe is probably the same, which is that it's all the stuff that comes after your story, right? Okay, mm-hmm. i on the same page. And he, so there's three pieces and there's an order I put them in. So the first piece is you're coming soon mm-hmm. or you're your next read. For grabbing Maine, I have a coming soon. I might have a your next read also. I'm not sure. It's most important in the ebook. You want to catch the person before they leave. They get to the last page, they hit the next one, and it says, want more? And there's a link.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It can be the next chapter. It can be a free download. It could be a mailing list, letting them know. If it is a free download, please make sure it is, you're getting their email address. You want to do everything you can on the very next page to get them to keep reading your books, right? So even though typically you would finish a traditionally published book and it would be acknowledgements and then about the author, I always, always, always insist a your next read needs to be the next page and to capture an email if at all possible. hmm I can see my emails fly through the roof whenever I have a new book out. People are getting to the end, and I just keep getting those notifications. New subscriber, new subscriber, new subscriber.
0: That's super smart, because if you put the acknowledgments or your bio and all those things first, then most readers will just skip that stuff and be like, oh, the book is over, right? So, so that's- Yeah, and,
1: and sometimes Kindle will do it for you, because mm. it'll pop up with the review. So you want to get in there before the Kindle ends it for you. Very important. Because right Amazon there. just wants you to come out to Amazon. They don't care what you buy next. Right. They'll make exactly. suggestions for you. I want your email address. Mm-hmm. Give it to me. So after that, I put my acknowledgements. After that, I put my about the author. My about the author has all of my social listings mm-hmm. linked. Coming back to having two files for ebook and paperback, this is an important piece of that. You don't want to accidentally put unlinked social profiles into your about the author because you used your paperback file to make your ebook and you didn't remember to go in and make those. So I think by the same token, you don't want to put underlined text into your paperback book. So it's really important to differentiate. So you have those correct links. That's all I put. I have used first chapters. I don't know if they're that successful. I don't read first chapters, so sometimes I just go off of my own experiences. Mm-hmm. When I finish a book, I usually like need to take a breath mm-hmm. and do something else, so I don't read the next chapter of another book, like mm-hmm. almost ever. So I'd rather just like get the email address, send them, um, send them a book through Book Funnel, and uh, and call it a day on that. Some some people will tell you don't put anything in the back of the book, but your link to your next book hmm. It's that adamant that nothing else should be there i have to put acknowledgments for one thing i want everybody to know about all of the lovely people i love i love reading acknowledgments i think they're amazing mm-hmm. it's The final credits <clears throat> and also it's one of my patreon subscription benefits is that you get a shout out of the acknowledgments oh, cool. so no reason to skip that and so and uh, am i about the author in my book is different than like my amazon bio so inside my book it is it's first person and it's kind of breezy and um hey come get to know me on my social profiles Mm -hmm. to just encourage more clicks i can just keep retaining that author
0: Mm -hmm. that's smart that's how you build your community of readers
1: and then do you
0: put it all on one page at the end there you know because like in a paperback there's like about the author acknowledgements and that. yeah i do
1: everybody gets their own page you can pull it up from the table of contents. It has its own heading, just like any other chapter would. I don't, I don't consolidate it at all.
0: Awesome. So, so back matter is very important, and I love that you said make sure you're capturing email addresses. You know, if you if you are giving something away for free, I agree with you. Like, get an email address so you can stay in touch with your readers and sh- and share information with them of value. Right? Is that is that what yeah. Would you
1: yeah. That's, you know, that's been another piece this year of building myself up to to writing fully independently is really building my newsletter. And I have, you know, I've bought books on it. I have revamped, you know, just a number of things about the way that I work and the way that I address my newsletter and stop calling. You know, I used to use it to announce new books because that was what I had time to do. But that's always asking for something every time you send an email that's not engaging and so asking myself you know how can i write something genuine to my readers um, and offer them something of value and ask them to write me back and talk to me Mm -hmm. it's actually been really valuable i've only done a couple so far of these like conversational emails excuse me and i'll always add in like hey here's some free books you can get or something like that as well like there's value there as well but i'll end it with a question say hey write me back and tell me what you think of this and i've gotten some really great responses Mm -hmm. who knew right the book i really read oh newsletter ninja that's the book Coding amazon and newsletter ninja are probably the two most important books i've read this year and I will include
0: those in the show notes Thank you for the <laughs> recommendations. I love book recommendations. I'm always all over those. So great. Thank you for sharing that. So important. Mm-hmm. The things that we're talking about, a lot of authors are really on a tight budget, you mm-hmm. know, especially at the beginning. When we're talking about book design, book editing, interior design, I know you offer these services, but but it's it should it's important to put aside a budget to take care of all these things when you're working towards your First book or whatever, you know, cause it costs something to, to have these things done. What would you recommend like a first time author think about budget wise when they're going into their first book design
1: project? That's an interesting question. I have spent my life on a zero budget. Mm. This is the first year I have had a marketing budget. This is the first year I've spent on, you know, marketing services to help me get the word out, like book funnel, Mm-hmm. Um, or upgrading my MailChimp for, th- for <laughs> things like that. I get my marketing budget from my Patreon. Mm. But that took several years to build to that point. Mm-hmm. So now I have Facebook ads. I have Amazon ads. I have all these tools. They're all budgeted out of my Patreon subscribers.
0: Thank you, Patreon
1: building. <laughs> they're the greatest. I just, oh my God. Building a community is so valuable that you might even want to do that instead. Mm. You might want to use your first book to just give it away and just get people to join a Facebook group where they talk to you or, or start a Patreon where you, you share a serial it's not easy. It takes years. It's 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 literally been, I think I had Patreon for three or four years to get to this point. But I have this amazing, dedicated, fantastic people that I know will give me great feedback on every chapter of my book. Mm-hmm. That's really far away from what you asked, which is <laughs> what's the budget look like? You can get a lot out of beta readers and even writing to authors you respect and asking them to read the first chapter or the 10th chapter or whatever and giving feedback. I believe that you can avoid a thousand dollar editor if that's simply not in the budget. Mm. And most professional writing gurus will tell you, if you spend on anything, spend on the editor. I have never spent on the editor. That is not where my money goes. Because you married one. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but I'll tell you why I have one book that was, that was professionally edited and, and that was other people's horses, which was my second book. And somebody, a, another author did that because they liked the book and they wanted mm-hmm. to edit. It. Mm-hmm. So you can make friends mm-hmm. and you don't know what you'll get out of it. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have no timeline, because you, somebody says, hey, I'll look at your book and give you notes on it, you better give them a couple months. Because looking at a book is not a small addition to your day. No. I do look at people's books and send them notes back. And I tell them it's going to be a couple months. And they're like, okay, I understand. Because mm-hmm. what's another couple months after you've written your first book, which took you years?
0: Right. You know? Asking for mm-hmm. help. Don't ever be afraid to ask for help. There are a lot yeah. of people that are starting out who want to be editors that need their credentials built or their resumes built that will really true services at a discount or even free Mm -hmm. be able to build up their resume or work with the authors that you know for recommendations right so there are ways to do this on a on a lower budget yeah
1: it totally they totally are and you know i i say you know Talk to somebody that you respect. Don't be afraid of them because you know it's like you and me having the conversation. We work in the same space for years. You know, it's it's like we know each other already. Mm-hmm. It's anytime somebody emails me and says, Hey, I could use some advice on my book, I give it to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just read somebody's manuscript for them. It took me a little while. Mm-hmm. But I did. It was you know, and it was like, okay, here's here's what it is and here's what it isn't, and here's what I think you should do next. Mm-hmm. Send me a chapter a month and we'll talk about it. I don't have to line edit it and I don't have to charge you a thousand dollars to give you really solid advice because I want you to succeed mm-hmm. and I want this community to continue to grow and be successful. Mm-hmm. So I think getting the best way to save money is to network and make friends and offer your opinion on things and ask for advice and just be super nice. Just be super, super nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't pick on people. Mm -hmm. And be careful who you ask your advice of because don't, if you're a beginner and you've got your first book, the best person to offer you advice is not somebody else who's a beginner who has their first book. Mm. And I mean that with all kinds of love and respect for people putting out their first book, but they may not have made the best choices because they're new too. Mm -hmm. And you don't send out a green horse with a green rider. So don't be afraid to ask. The pros that have been in it for a really long time and we have a lot of longevity and we'll talk to you for hours obviously <laughs> yeah.
0: well and we're stronger <clears throat> really together and we look out for each other because I, you know I love that you said the more new authors come to this space and do it well the better our genre mm-hmm. works and is and the more success it has and the wider it spreads so that's yeah fantastic. so don't be afraid to talk with other authors I think is like the key of of
1: that. If you need some advice or direction,
0: I mean, we're here to help you.
1: I really, I really, I really believe that. And if somebody gives you advice and you don't like it, ask somebody else and see if you get the same answer. Mm -hmm. If you get the same answer, maybe that's the only way to go. If you get a wildly different one. Okay. Maybe there are different approaches. Cause I would say, if you're going to spend some money, you spend it, you do everything you can on the back end to write the best you can. Absolutely. And then
0: as far as interior design and cover design, you know, what What kind of budget do you think authors could, you know, first time authors that that have a tight budget could squeeze buy on investing into cover design and interior design? There there are a lot of
1: services that'll, that'll churn out interiors for you. So I think you could go down as low as like $50. I don't know if what, I don't know what you're going to get out of that, but if you're on a budget. It's, you know, again, better than spending $50 on the program and having to learn how to do it, right? <laughs> so you probably get about the same product that you would get if you'd learned to do it. You Because you'll probably end up spending for the interiors of both, maybe, maybe $150, $200 mm-hmm. for both. You're gonna, And you're going to pay way more than that for a cover, generally speaking, maybe between 50 to Two or $300, depending on who you go with and what your dream cover looks like. I've seen massively expensive cover designers. You get literary quality, like publisher quality covers. You don't always need that Mm -hmm. because, like we mentioned in the cover episode, you're not publishing for a bookstore shelf, you're publishing for a thumbnail. Mm So, you need to be really cognizant of how much quality you need in terms of an ebook cover, <laughs> if that makes sense. I charge for my time more than anything. When I, you know, when I set up my rates for somebody, it's it's really like, okay, it's gonna take me this number of hours mm-hmm. to convert this. It's usually in words, to convert it from Word, strip out all the old formatting, build new formatting, mm-hmm. give you graphic headers, and then like I said, I look for issues.
2: Mm-hmm. I read
1: the books as I work with them. You get some typos removed. You might, I've questioned people on them um, on facts before I've been like uh can we double check this because I'm not sure that's correct oh you're right that's not it okay let's fix that you know like <laughs> that can be the the virtue of working with an equestrian sometimes <laughs> a little bit of fact checking along the way yeah so they get
0: a little extra actually working with yeah. you then then they would pay for when just somebody else doing the interior because you're looking to make sure that they have the best best product and you know to the point yes, prepare for this, set some money aside, work, educate yourself, work with someone that knows our genre like Natalie when it comes to these sort of things. But this is your creative self. This is like something you worked on a lot of times, especially in the first case, years and years and years, the first time you're publishing a book, make it beautiful, spend a little extra money to to do this stuff. So then you have something that you're, that's not just okay, but something you're incredibly proud of. And you don't have to spend like, $300,000. You know, you can do this on a tight budget, but you know, look, make the
1: investment wisely and, and do plan for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could get, you can get your dream book for $300 or less mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things. That's your book. Mm-hmm. That's your book, your book that you wrote, mm-hmm. you know, get what you want get what it's worth.
0: Because I mean, having written a book is a monumental undertaking. It mm-hmm. is particularly the first one. I mean, writing a book is not easy. So celebrate that when you get to the book design portion and and give it, give it the beautiful polishing that it absolutely deserves. And this is an interesting question. If you could tell your younger writing self anything about book design, what would you tell her?
1: I think, I, you know, I think I said this on the cover episode. It's worth every additional pass that you take on the manuscript on the design, on going through your text. It's worth every additional day that you take to get it right. You can always fix something, but somebody's seen it. Mm-hmm. And you're always going to cringe knowing that somebody saw <laughs> what <which> you did. <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> like we just said, you just spent years on the book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or, you know, I spend, now I spend months on a book, which is fabulous.
0: I'm excited about that. I, I, yes, I wish I could bring some of that energy over here.
1: That's amazing. Oh, it's so it's a subscription. It's a company called trade coffee. And, uh, what they do is they send you as much coffee as you can drink. And, uh, that is part of my energy level. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: can be yours. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We were just talking about how much we, we enjoy coffee, and coffee. We're both drinking a cup of coffee here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you need, need to keep yourself alert as you're, mm-hmm. you're working on your book projects.
1: Yeah. Know thyself you know, if thyself needs caffeine, give thyself caffeine for sure. (laughs) But yeah, there's always an improvement to be made. There's always something to be
0: found and don't be afraid to make changes. And you can, as an independent author, you can change your cover anytime you want. And it's as simple as a file swap inside Mm -hmm. the programs. And it's like usually updated in under 24 hours. So you can test them that
1: way. You could literally say, I want to see this week, if it's going to sell better with this cover or Mm -hmm. that cover. That's
0: brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's just as simple as a slop. So having that kind of creative control is really, really powerful. And, you know, you're never stuck with the cover that you have. You can, you know, if you want to reintroduce a series after it's been a while, you know, you can totally do a rebrand of the covers and do another launch. And, you know, you've got a new series. And even traditional publishers do it all the time with books that have been around for a while. Yeah. Um, Sarah Gruen's uh, series of writing lessons that, co- that cover has changed several times over the yeah. time it's been out, you know, so it's like a refresh. The new
1: one's quite weird, actually. Isn't it like like a woman in a dress or something? I, you know? I just I'm, saw it the other day and I thought, oh, that's not right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> woman in dresses in, in, on the front of horse books. I mean, I don't know. You know, we like to take, get our pictures taken in dresses with our horses, but, you know, it's not really.
1: It's not what happens in that book. No. It's very sad. Yes,
0: <laughs> it is.
1: It is. It's a good book. Uh, it is. Changed my life, honestly. Yeah,
0: and you know, you have shared so much information with us. I am curious to hear your perspective on this. Like, what, what would literary success look like to
1: you? Literary success, not commercial success, like paying my bills, because that's success, but mm-hmm. literary success. I'm gonna say that it is the freedom to tell my stories, but the know-how to bring my readers along mm-hmm. on these journeys. I often will take a subject that I'm really passionate about, maybe I'm mad about, Mm. and create stories out of that. How do I bring readers along to learn and grow without preaching Mm. or enraging or rabble rousing or turning people off who don't agree with me? That nuance, I think, is the most important piece in my writing. What I strive for, especially when I touch on like racing, mm. the hidden horses of New York that touched on all kinds of third rail horse subjects There were carriage horses, there were police horses, and then there's race horses and, you know, and there's rehoming and retirement issues all in, all in this one book. And I have very strong opinions about all of these things and firsthand experiences about all of these things. So I'm coming from a place of, of deep knowledge about subjects, which many people come from a place, at least unfortunately, just what they read online and have very negative opinions of. So I I wanted to approach those subjects in this book and bring people along on that ride, but without writing that same old you know oh this horse going to the auction you know I've got to save the horse from the auction like mm-hmm. I just can't write that story again <laughs> so so that book that book was, was a lot of balancing in that and I feel extremely good about that book like every day I feel good about the Hidden Horses of New York I think I think that as an equestrian author that was the first time i said all right this is what i meant to do oh wow and and you've been recognized for
0: your work yeah. on hidden horses of new york you won the very prestigious american horse publications uh, best book horse book award that was, that's huge yeah. congratulations
1: thank you that was that was a that was a fantastic thing
0: you have been so gracious with with your time i've got one final question for you before i let you return to your day Has anything happened or bloomed for you since becoming an author that you wouldn't
1: have expected? Yeah, specifically conversations like this. The connections of this community, this equestrian author community, never would have guessed this was going to happen 10 years ago. I just uh, and and so this year you know I've tried to over the past few years I you know made a lot of connections I, you know spoke definitely have, have worked closely with you you know we have all kinds of projects um that we've gotten to work on together so I've tried to extend that to be part of the conversation when somebody is looking for help help authors get started you know help them succeed on their route build these relationships you know so that we can all work together and mm-hmm. just really make really successful community that people go oh right you know those horse book ladies they know what they're doing Mm -hmm. you know I don't want there to be anything amateurish about our gang we (laughs) are on top of all things at all times and um I I didn't see that coming that's it's amazing it's amazing oh it's it's so (laughs) so exciting. and well
0: and thank you for sharing your knowledge and being there because you were in the you were one of the very first people in this genre making this thing happen and you blaze the trail for me for a lot of other authors to come on board and I think that there's always this like oh I'm scared to reach out to the people that have been there before me but you know we are proving that we're accessible and we want to help people and we are building a community and we are not each other's competition and you know thank you for all the cool things that you've been willing to collaborate on with me. And thank you for being on the show and sharing your knowledge. Thank you for putting together an offer where you can help other authors with their book design. Speaking of which, I'd love if you would give the details of what you
1: offer and where people can find your services. So I do book design in different packages. I can do interiors for eBooks Paperbacks and covers as well. I have it priced so that it you can bring you know a cover with you or bring an image with you, or else I can go out and acquire all of that for you, and um, and we can kind of build like an a la carte package that works mm-hmm. for everybody. Everybody is an individual. I do offer editing, copy editing as well at a sort of project level instead of just like a hey here's an email kind of level, but like a full on. Let's make this the best book it can possibly be, and take the least amount of time for you. Kind of situation, mm-hmm. you know. I I work really hard to customize every single book to what you're looking for, mm-hmm. because I understand how important these are to us. You know, these are. I don't want to say they're babies because we call a lot of things our babies. <laughs> I got a dog somewhere. Like our our soul or like our muse, or really, yeah, we've really distilled like this huge chunk of our soul Mm -hmm. into these pages. Mm -hmm. It needs to be what you what you've dreamed of, Mm -hmm. Uh, and sometimes I will say what you've dreamed of isn't always what you like. Your dream book doesn't always look like you thought it would, Mm -hmm. but we figure it out. We make it. We make it gorgeous. We make it amazing. We make people go, "Holy cow! You wrote a book." Because that's what the experience should be like. It should be joyful. It should be a joyful experience. So, absolutely,
0: um, and something honored. And it sounds like you customize a package and you spend the time so people can honor their creative work with beautiful book design.
1: Right. That's a that's a great way of putting it. I do think they are all worth. They're worth the time. They're worth honoring with that amount of extra extra love and effort. And it's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Like I've I've worked on a couple of books this year and yeah, just pulling them together has been like really, really satisfying.
0: <laughs> well, that is so wonderful to hear. And I will make sure to link to all the places where you can find Natalie and her books in the show notes. And Natalie, you are, I mean, you just are incredibly valuable to this community and you are so generous of giving information. And I foresee we'll be having you on the show again to talk about some other topics as we you know, move down the line and and build this community so so thank you for sharing as much as you have today and doing a two-part series with me on book design it it means so much and I hope it helps a whole wealth of other other authors yeah
1: I do too I just I know how valuable these podcasts have been to me and helping me see things in different lights Mm -hmm. so you know we're only sometimes we're only as good as like what our connections are because everybody's got a different experience to bring to the table we're like this amazing team Mm -hmm. just all like swap in knowledge. So yeah, it's a
0: pleasure. <laughs> oh, well, thank, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for bringing this conversation to me. Uh, this is your recommendation and it was a good one. So thank you Thanks. so much. <laughs> Excellent. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us this week on the equestrian author spotlight podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing just like me visit my website carlycadecreative.com where you can read the show notes and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you so much for your support want a free guide to secrets of horsebook authors gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox if you are an author Who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted please let me know visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request i'd be happy to have you on the show too thank you for tuning in to the equestrian author spotlight podcast see you next time i'm your host carly cade creative writing makes my spurs jingle